0: all of us here, you and I and everyone listening, we know all the, the wonderful gifts and benefits that we've got through belly dance, not just physically, but socially, mentally, physically, spiritually, all of those gifts. And it, it's time that we can, can share those.
1: Welcome to Bella Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including Bella Dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories secrets and tips with you hello guys this is
2: new week and new episode of ballet dance live podcast and are you ready for this epic conversation because I literally have a goosebumps right now. I have amazing Jelina here with me online. Performer, master instructor, choreographer, director, producer. I can talk so long about her project and achievements but just to mention a few. Starting from 1999, she established her own dance company, Sahlala Dancers, who currently are the premier Middle Eastern and World Fusion dance entertainment company in LA. Also from 2003 to 2009, she served as artistic director and main choreographer for the Balladance Superstars and performed with them for over 700 shows. Also, Jelena won a number of awards from International Academy of Middle Eastern Dance and the Giza Academy, including Best Modern Egyptian Dancer, Best Instructional Video, Best Dance Company and Dancer of the Year. Jelena had appeared on a number of television programs, including Dancing with the Stars and Tsukiri, a widely viewed show in Japan, I hope I pronounced it correctly, and also She has produced 12 instructional DVDs and due to her success and due to the success of these DVDs, they are now translated into five different languages all around the world. Currently, of course, Jelena is touring with her newest project, production, Ballet Dance Evolution, which was created in 2009, and this is a really revolutionary approach to the art of ballet dance, and the Middle Eastern dance presentation on stage, uh, which combines authentic dance mixed with a ballet and some other dances, and presented as a theatrical show, and this production, Ballet Dance Evolution, already had appeared in over 20 countries, as well as was featured performer at the Mawazine Festival in Morocco and had performed for the Queen of Morocco. So I'm going to dive into all, all aspects of this uh, amazing artist and her projects. Uh, but uh, uh, first of all, welcome to the show, Jelena. Thank you for finding time in your schedule to talk to us
0: today. Thanks, Diana. Thanks for, for having me here. And uh, already... Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. So thank you for putting this together, uh, a, a place for us, people who are obsessed with belly dance and, um, yeah, I really enjoying your work as well. So thank you.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. So as I mentioned, I have so many questions because your work and your career, uh, already looks so fascinating and diverse and I'm sure it's only, in the first half of it and we'll see so much more in the future but I would like to start our talk with a, a kind of fun question.
0: Do you remember your ever first belly dance class? Yes I do actually I was just kind of reflecting on that um, my first belly dance class was uh, can you believe it 30 years ago so I just somebody asked me the other day how long have I been dance, belly dancing and I I really had to think about it um, because it was such a long time ago. It was with uh, a woman named Diane Weber. Uh, She's she's no longer with us, but uh, it was it was at like a a place called Every Woman's Village. So it was like a little community place where they had like a pottery class and a painting class and a belly dance class. So it was uh, just my first introduction to it. And it just of course, I totally fell in love with it.
2: Mm. And uh, did you find any challenges uh, in learning ballet dance? Because for some people, it's very individual for everyone, of course. And some catches uh, very fast and easily. For some, people need some work. And some people, I don't know, struggle with shimmy or struggle with arms. Do you remember if you had anything like that in the beginning of your journey? What was the most difficult for you to learn?
0: I think for me personally, because I was a dancer before I, st- I, I went to the belly dance classes. So I was doing jazz and hip hop and, and some ballet. So when I arrived, I, I kind of, I knew how to sort of move and present myself as, but like, you know, with the other Western dance training. So the, the hardest part for me was the finger symbols, mm. playing <laughs> uh, playing the zills. So my teacher wouldn't allow me to to move forward into the, you know, advanced classes until I really mastered the zills. So she she would just make me sit on the floor and play. And before I would, she wouldn't let me even stand up. I would have to sit on the floor, you know, um, and just play the zills through like an entire song. And the other students were dancing, <laughs> and I was like, I felt like I was being punished. But on, you know, it was a good training because once I started moving, I I, I would lose my zills. So for <laughs> sure, for me it was. Um, to slow down and learn to play the zills and then, you know, and then my feet could catch up to everything else. So yeah, that was definitely a challenge.
2: Wow. So interesting because, uh, I feel that zills have, have lost their role in today's ballet dance training. Even for me, like I started, I don't know, a little bit over 10 years, maybe 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Zills were not a part of my, uh, Nasser curriculum let's say right like I sort of had little training but even now I kind of struggle and literally like um, a few months ago I actually was decided like okay I need to fix it and actually train but it's very interesting how today's deals are not really the part of necessary training for dancers
0: right yeah it's true I mean I, I feel like it was the influence of the sort of the modern Egyptian style that that has come across like the last what um like 20 years so that sort of modern egyptian style where they they were only using the zills during like the folkloric pieces of their performances um you know like nagafuad or like the you know some of those great dancers they didn't they weren't playing zills throughout their entire performance so i feel like some of that influence you know maybe in effect why we're not doing as much zills. And, uh, it, you know, there, there's still some good teachers out there who teach it and, uh, and, and keep it in their uh, curriculum. So, uh, it's definitely a good tool to have. It's great knowledge to have it. I don't use them so much anymore, uh, to be honest. So like, you know, doing these theatrical productions, we do, um, we do use them sometimes in certain choreographies, but, uh, it's definitely not around as much as it used to be where my first class, my first teacher, we used to have to do like sort of this um like I call it like American cabaret style with the Turkish influence, where we have to play the Zills, do like a five-part show. So we'd play the Zills, uh, then we'd have to do veil work, then we'd have to do floor work, uh drum solo, and then we'd have to end with a karslama with a nine-eight. Mm-hmm. So we'd have to play the zills with a nine-eight. We'd have to, you know, play the zills throughout all the other parts, except the veil and floor work, of course. So that was like sort of the older style of training that that was around, which w- was heavy influence with, um, with the finger symbols.
1: I see.
2: Actually, something you just uh, mentioned about American style of ballet dance, and uh, something I'd like to dig a little bit uh, deeper on it, because uh, we have a lot of dancers who are inspired by what they call American ballet dance style, and uh, right. uh, they refer to you as their inspiration even we had uh, on the recent podcast Jazeera was mentioning uh, you and american style of ballet dance and some other dancers but in your opinion and uh, uh, your sort of experience what how would you define what what is that american ballet dance style is it just about structure of the show or when it has something that actually can be defined as american
0: style of ballet dance that's a great question, Iana. Really, like now I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it because in, it depends on this kind of which generation we're talking about. So when I started belly dancing 30 years ago, it, American style was like from, you know, like Aisha Ali and Morocco and, um, you know, Diane Weber. So this kind of like it had a lot of influence from Turkey. Uh, at the at the time, not all of them was purely you know Turkish, but there was some influence. It was, I think, there was um, a lot of um, Turkish people had immigrated into the United States that that sort of affected some of the some of the influence of belly dance. And back then, it was this sort of like a, a five part routine. You know, it was the fast play the finger symbols. Uh, then you do like a, a a veil routine, a veil section with bolero then slow Taksim with a shift to telly. And that would often be some floor work or slow, you know, slow movements, uh, drum solo, and then like the karslama, the 9-8. So that was sort of the American style back then. And now I feel like it's transformed a lot where there's a lot of influence from um, Hollywood, you can say. So uh, there's different influences of, of fusion that has been involved with the, you know, the, the changing and, and evolution, if you will, the evolution of the dance. Um, so I guess just kind of looking back, I would just say that 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 style, when it's when belly dance started in this country to sort of take off. And, and you know, the, some of the greats, you know, who like you talked about this um, on one of your podcasts about you know, uh, social media, when you're talking with, uh, Sadie is about, you know, back then we didn't have internet and YouTube to, to learn all these things. So people like Aisha Ali, who were producing, you know, VHS videos and we'd buy these, you know, expensive, you know, they were pretty expensive back then, about $50, $60, uh, you know, so to learn about like the history of the dance and where it came from and, and sort of like have cultural reference, uh, for those, of us who, who hadn't traveled yet to the Middle East, so this is um, kind of where we had the roots of it. Mm, I see. Well, just a side
1: note, Julie is listening to podcast too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am. <have>, yeah. <laughs> so, it's really informative. It's great stuff.
2: Uh, thanks. Um, Actually, the reason why I sort of asked about this American style of ballad dance, the term itself, is just because I find recently uh, these days there are so many discussions about what is ballad dance, what is authentic ballad dance, can it be like, I don't know, different styles of ballad dance rather than just Egyptian or Turkish, like people sort of discussing, oh, what's, I don't know, Argentinian ballad dance style or Russian ballad dance style, like what do you mean by that? So... Uh, it's just interesting to hear different approaches and uh, uh, what's your vision of it because I kind of feel it's closely related even to your uh, ballet dance evolution production but how the evolution of dance goes today does it have place to develop more styles of ballet dance than just Egyptian and Turkish or does it I don't know, harm the dance or does it support it? Uh, uh, what your thoughts on it in general?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I was having a discussion with a friend recently um, and we were talking about, it and I think that there's definitely room and the, the dance is evolving and, and, and all art evolves. You know? you know, contemporary came from classic ballet and now contemporary is, 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 is its own huge genre of dance. So I don't think we can stop or we should sort of um, stifle the the evolution of art. But I think it's really important, especially for the new and younger generation, to have a deep understanding of, of where it comes from culturally, uh, understanding, you know, things about the language, the history of the music, how it's how the music has evolved, having a, an understanding of studying all the folkloric dances. It doesn't mean, like, I studied a lot of that stuff, but I, I almost rarely perform them but having that knowledge gave me all the tools to um, to make d- artistic decisions and then also have like a base and an understanding of where it comes from so if i want to do something fusion but i have like a saidi rhythm playing or i want to use a mizmar maybe i can have some influence from saidi but if if the music allows and the venue allows and my audience is, is in those type of venues, then I can choose artists. I can make artistic decisions to, to do the fusion, um, types of things, but without, without knowledge of, 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 culture and history, then you're just making it up and then it's just like a fantasy. So, uh, like my teacher, Sahara Saida, she's, uh, I would say she's my mentor. She's like, she's been such a great uh, teacher and influencer, um, throughout my entire career. She's like, you, you, you can break the rules once you know them. So having that foundation is, is so important. And I think I love, the, I love the fusion stuff that's happening. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of tribal, uh, tribal dance, ATS, tribal fusion. I don't perform it. I don't dance it. I occasionally take some classes because I'm intrigued by it and I want to just expand my horizons. But it's, it's, it's really beautiful art. So, you know, I don't think that we should just dismiss things that are coming out and that are fusion, but it's really important that that the younger generation takes the time to study like all of these things the music, the instruments, the history, the culture and in and all of that,
2: yeah, so true. And even in any profession that you go to I don't know university or college, you do start from the very beginning, like you do study history of your uh, area mm-hmm. like whatever we are talking as the engineering or even business like we uh, i was in a uh, um, business school <laughs> before i came into dance and we were studying all these uh, i don't know historical uh, development of money or what's like uh, uh, marx study or socialism like all that the right. history before what we have now in twenty first century, like in these years, so it's sort of the same with dance like to um, I like uh, the phrase to um, you need to know roots in order to make innovations, yeah, so you always need to refer, but at the same time dance and culture and world doesn't stop and doesn't freeze in that uh, you know, historical moments of whatever time we take. Yeah. So it still develops, but for that you still need to to know the roots. So from your first uh, classes, <laughs> playing Zeus and sitting on the floor, to now producing the yeah. whole theatrical productions and touring all around the world, I believe there's so much was happening in your career. But one of the highlights and that people probably know uh, you today is uh Evolution Pro, probably. It's your recent baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you did already four different productions. Yes. In this, but can you tell us a little bit? Because everyone probably heard about Alice in the Wonderland. It's uh, your the one before the last one, but I know you are now working and about to tour with your new production, I believe, Tales of Shahrazad. Yes. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit more about it and if there is anything special or different in this production from everything else that
0: you did before? Uh, Well, you know, I'm always trying to do something new and innovative and very different from my previous productions. So Alice in Wonderland was a it just a really, it was a lot of fun. I love that show. It was really hard to walk away from it and do something new. But um, coming to this, I feel like I've been able to, you know, raise raise the bar for myself. Uh, I've also collaborated with different choreographers to bring them in to bring in a, a diverse and eclectic feel to the show. Um, this this production, I think, I've spent the the most amount of time with. Uh, I spent over a year, like, you know, starting with the concepts and the ideas and working on it. And then our f- very first production was, was a little bit different. So I was commissioned um, by a woman named Dalal in Morocco to put together. So she, the idea was to have a classical music orchestra play uh, the rimsky korsakov Shahrazad music. And then we were going to combine belly dance with classic ballet. So she, I was commissioned to to choreograph the show and to be the artistic director and put 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 these you know put the whole thing together basically. And she got you know she got together the the orchestra for us and we did um, we did the shows in Morocco. So I worked with a, a, a well-known um, a dancer Sabah who did to did all. She's a classically trained ballet dancer. So she did all the ballet choreography. And then I worked together with my team, um, mostly Heather and Lauren, working on all the, the belly dance choreography. So it was it was really interesting because like ninety percent of the show was classic classical Western music, and it was so challenging to be honest. And at some moments, I was like, "Why did I even take this take this?" you know, agreed to do it because I was so frustrated and it was so hard. And the music was, was just like the counts are in fives and twelves and then tens and then back to four and then eight. And it was uh, so challenging. But then as I kind of powered through it, it was it was a magical experience. So it was definitely pushed me artistically. It really it really um, took me out of my comfort zone big time. Um, so from that point on, after after we finished that production, I really loved um, the idea of the story Lauren had put together. We were inspired by Shahrazad, The A Thousand and One Nights. So we took some of the ideas of the A Thousand and One Nights stories and the adventures of Sinbad. So then I sort of reproduced the show and the ideas with um, with the belly dance evolution. Uh, original music, an original score, and uh, sort of choreographed a whole new show. Uh, kept kept like a couple of the pieces, like the drum solo and one Um Kalsun piece. But other than that, it's it was a, it was a brand new show. And, um, you know, bringing in the Shaharazad and the King character was really nice because then we could bring in this like adagio idea, have contemporary and ballet dancers in the show and bring in just different elements. And um, with Sinbad, it's been really fun too, because he's a very versatile dancer. So he does Polynesian, he does hip hop, he does contemporary. It's fun to create different ideas depending on the cast, on what the cast brings into the show. What, what can we you know, create around their extraordinary talents? That's sort of, I feel like, what I'm getting better at Um, when something I, I, I've been good at, I had a lot of training with belly dance superstars, like working within a really eclectic group and seeing how to bring out their best talents and, and put that, put that on the stage.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's uh, actually so fascinating that
2: you mentioned Fokin's and his ballet and Rimsky-Korsakov music mm-hmm. because I literally just a few weeks ago published an article specifically about Fokin's and his ballet and why it's important. Uh, that production was important from historical point of view for ballet dancers, <laughs> uh, and because I know I think many dancers don't realize that in some way ballet dance actually has influenced ba- ballet. Yeah, it, it reflected in Fokin's work, for instance. Uh, although that work was not necessarily a combination of ballet dance and ballet because even in his memoir, he was telling, oh, I, I choreograph imagined Orient, so it's not really yeah. uh, ballet dance authentic. But it's really amazing like how a century after, because it was, what, 1909, I think, his production. Right. And now a century after, you are working on uh, sort of Also Shahrazad production from the same tale. But now you're actually combining ballet dance and seeing how to bring elements of ballet and other dance form into ballet dance. So it's really, uh, really uh, interesting. You mentioned something that you have been working on the concept of this show for almost a year or even more. Right. Can you go a little bit deeper? What for you means work on the concept of the show? Because I can't even imagine how, like, if I need to put together, I don't know, two hours dance production with a storyline. <laughs> okay, what does it mean? Where I start? Like, is it choreographing? But, like, I, I imagine it, it involves much more than just coming to studio and start choreographing. So how this process of working on the concept looks for you?
0: <laughs> Um, the process—it's changed over the years. Um, in the beginning, it used to be—it always used to be uh, music first. I then I then I would get the ideas. It always kind of started with, not always, but in a way that was like the main recipe. And now I'm 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 coming up, you know, as the the trend, you know, evolution. <laughs> the evolution of my creative process is. I, I come up more with like an ideas and then I'll, I'll i I want to have a scene like the opening scene when, um, you know, when, when, um, the golden slave has the affair with the queen or di- just different things like that. So I have a scene involved. And then what I do with my team is like, we, we sketch out like a storyboard and then we kind of look at those ideas. And then we think up like, just to think about what it looks like visually. And then, then we get into the room and we start playing with like ideas and steps and movements and sometimes with music and sometimes without music. So it's, it's, a, it's a process that has, that has evolved. And then something I've done, I've been able to do recently is I, because I travel so much that I don't teach locally very often. So I had a chunk of time that I was going to be home. So I started doing um, what I called community classes. So I would do classes It was like $10 class, community comes in. So uh, the first hour was classes like, you know, technique and drills and combos. And then the second hour was stay and play. And it was free. So you could stay and play and I could build choreographies on the bodies. I could, you know, have the girls, okay, everybody like, you know, create a diagonal here. And then like from this formation, go into a circle. All right. What if you guys do a shimmy and the other half of you are doing, you know, figure eight or something so to actually start to create the movement on on bodies so that was a really fun process for me because I, I felt like I could really spend time developing ideas and 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 not feeling that crunch of I have to finish everything in a month I have to finish like, you know, so kind of like jamming through stuff. It was really nice to step back, look at it and say, you know, I don't like that at all. We're going to start from zero. I I just like, let's, let's do something different. And being able to, to do that has been such a gift and such a joy. And I feel like it's raised the level of the performance, uh, choreography, production, all of that. Um, so that, that's, Kind of been the process. It starts with with the ideas. It starts with the story. Then we storyboard it and 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 go through it from there.
2: Mm, that's that's great solution. I kind of feel it's a win win for absolutely all participants uh, of this community classes.
0: Oh, it's fun! And you know, as I did them like on a Wednesday afternoon at 12 noon, I said, "Oh my God, no one's going to show up." You know, who has time? And slowly, people. The word got out, and people started showing up. And the the stay and play was so fun. People were just like, you know, like up to it and would, it would just let me move their bodies and all kinds of fun, weird things. And, and it was just explorative and really a, a creative time, I think for all of us. Mm. So I encourage other people to try that other directors to try that in their communities and, um, and, and explore being able to, you know, build movement and ideas on, on bodies. That's awesome.
2: And, uh- how do you work, how do you source your music for the productions? Because uh, if I haven't mistaken, but on the website I saw in the description of each production, it's sort of the same one composer, uh, but maybe I misread somewhere. But how do you usually source the music, especially if you now work that, okay, I have idea first, it's not like music
0: goes first. Right. How do you how do you deal with it? Uh, well, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, I think you might not even know it, but Paul DeLatier, who does the composer and does all the the original soundtracks for for my productions, is my husband. We've been uh, married for 20 years, and he specializes in music for film and television. He has a company called Audio Machine. And Audio Machine um, specializes, it's a very specific genre, it's uh, music for movie trailers so he has this wonderful theatrical sort of cinematic approach to music. And he was originally born in Lebanon, but but grew up here. So he has a little bit of that um, Arabic touch, but most of all the Arabic influence comes from um, uh, when I invite musicians over to to work with him, uh, like Issam Hoshan or Ozzy, Ashkenazi, uh, so that he's collaborated with or different um Middle Eastern artist or uh, a lot of times, like when we have these ideas, I'll come in and say, okay, so this is the opening scene and I want it to start really slow. And then the next thing is like the tempo picks up. So what if we use, uh, like a Malfouf rhythm here? So actually, he didn't know what Malfu rhythm was because he'd never studied Middle Eastern music, really. (laughs) So then we kind of like he would go through it and he's like, you know, it's not so hard to figure out when you're an accomplished musician. So, okay, so we'd put lay down these like he'd start laying down the tracks and uh, bring in uh, musicians to to record live on top of that. So it's been a wonderful collaborative uh, effort. And I feel very fortunate to uh, to to have such a such a wonderful partner.
2: Oh, that's so amazing! Sounds like awesome uh, team.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: you also have very interesting approach to casting of the dancers. So as far as I know, you have a main principal cast, mm-hmm. and also you open a call for uh, other dancers to join uh, whenever you are touring. So basically, the dancers. Uh, can apply online get choreography uh, learn submit video and They may be invited to join uh, your production uh, on a specific tour When you watch this video, I don't know if you do yourself or maybe you have assistants who watch those videos But I, I, did... I watch them all I, I do oh, I personally wow.
0: watch them all. Yeah, so
2: yeah. in this case what are you specifically looking which skills or what is important for you to see in the video uh, to make a decision to invite uh, this dancer to join the production?
0: That you know, that's such a great question, and. Um... I'm really glad you asked th- that question because uh, people, people want to know and I, and I want to help them through the audition process, through this sort of casting online process. So the the way it works is they do basically like a three-minute belly dance evolution choreography. Uh, so they have to learn it and present it. Then they get to do three minutes of their own material. So I, I get to see their personality, what unique skills that they have, and to see them sort of doing their own thing, because sometimes I, I might be able to use that um, and highlight those, those features in the show, if, if they, specifically if they do something very unique. So when they do the belly dance evolution technique, I actually choreograph it with specific um, techniques inside the choreography. So first of all, uh, there's like hip technique. So I put in specific types of hip moves to see the fluidity and, you know, kind of the belly dance technique. And then there's um, shimmies to see if how the shimmy looks and how, like, if they have a variety of shimmy um, is really important. Also, there's a section of, like, arms and hands. So they're just isolating arms and hands to see if they have awareness of the, uh, of the upper body. Because um, that's also a key, a little, you know, key thing to see – their level of training as well to, to see the energy in the arms and hands. Um, of course there's turns involved because we have, you know, high level choreography. We have to do a lot of turns plus the belly dance technique, staging abilities. So, uh, there's like definitely a section of, uh, of turns to see how they handle, uh, turns. I also do a strength a strength section where there's like a level change they have to do, for example, like a reverse figure eight, um, like a Maya going all the way down to the floor and then maybe coming back up to, to see the strength in their legs, because that's not necessarily an easy thing. If if you're not in good physical condition, also the details. So for example, we like in belly dance evolution, we have something called the wrap turn. So when I turn, let's say I turn to the left, I'm going to wrap the left arm in front and the right arm in back. So some people mix that up and they, they reverse the arms. So are they able to pick up those very, very specific details of the style? Uh, do they get the hands right? Do they get the choreography right? Do they have um, flexibility in their body? Sometimes there's like a little back bend, uh, some of that in, in, in the audition video. So I, I choreographed that piece very specifically to see those different elements. And, you know, some of the the, the physical condition, we have a, such a variety of dancers uh, of age range, of size range, of, of, of backgrounds, of um, all ethnicity and different, you know, economical class. So it's, it, I really want, I want that diversity in the show and I want to work with um, a diverse group. So with that said, they also have to have a strong physical condition to get through eight to nine hours of dancing for, for a week. So are they, are they going to be up to it and not have injuries? Because that that's not going to be fun for anybody. If someone gets injured, um, it has happened and, um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's, you know, so with those things said, like, are they up for the challenge? And, uh, the, the, yeah, so I guess I would say those are the specific things that I look for. I also, when I'm doing the casting, I also have a team that we come in and so we have a, we use a Google Doc. So we put all the videos in the Google, Google Doc and then I have like, I score them. So like on a score of one to 10. So that, let's say this dancer gets an eight. Then I have my other colleague, like Heather, will come in and give her score. Maybe she only gives her a six or a, or she gives her a nine. Uh, and then we also have a section where we write comments. And then I have another colleague will come in and give her score and her comments. So after the casting is closed, we all go back in, we sort of we we kind of go with the highest scores, we do the comments, we have a meeting, we talk about the feedback. And sometimes we 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 fight for dancers that we really like. Like, well, I will say, well, you know what? I know this, you know, this dancer's, there's something I really liked about her, and I really loved. She didn't do that great with the choreography, but her solo was like so outstanding or vice versa. She was really outstanding with the choreography, but the solo was, you know, she got a lower lower score with that. But um, I'd like to give her the opportunity and work with her. And then Heather will also have dancers that she sort of fights for and, um, you know, to get into the cast. So it's definitely one of the hardest parts about this process. It, It is not an easy decision and now we give ourselves almost like four or five days to make that decision because it, it goes, we go back and forth, <laughs> hmm. um, and and we also try to have a diverse group, a a, div- a diverse group. So for example, let's say we're we're doing the show in Italy, and we have a lot of Italian dancers, you know, auditioning. We also want to have a diverse group that we have, of course, some local dancers, some Italian dancers, but we also want to have some of the, you know, we get Europe- other European dancers that come in, American dancers that want to join, and they, they, they're they, willing to do the traveling, and then we bring in this diverse group, and then part of the goal is that they actually do, they network with each other. So they're going to be building upon those relationships and it's it's been wonderful to see that someone like like Jasira from Poland, um, you know, she's because she's worked with us in Europe in different events that she's networked a lot with with a lot of our BDE cast and is invited to different festivals in Europe of those dancers. For example, um, I, Jasira has her own festival, so she has a network of dancers that she can reach out to. And um, it's really that's been really fun to see that. Yeah, she was on the podcast just
2: a few interviews ago and there was so, so much excitement in her voice and she was talking about uh, her experience in ballet Dance Evolution and all fun stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, you, you, we can just literally hear her joy and uh, fun and excitement in her memories about those years and how much
0: it helped and served her in her dance career. That's, you know what that's that is that's the best compliment and someone like Jocera like really put the time in and worked worked her butt off and really reaped the benefits like she um, the last time she was in the show she was helping me direct she actually got some of the lead roles because she 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 had raised her level up and I was able to give her the opportunity to dance some of the lead roles in the show so. It's been really fun to see that transition and see the evolution of these, you know, what I call like the young and up and coming dancers and then see them kind of graduate into their own force. Now they're out in the globe teaching global workshops and performing and producing their own shows, you know, working in their schools. And that's the idea of is I want to give these dancers the tools and the education and the training that they go back into their communities and, and they apply them the idea is that that we're giving them I wanna give them these tools to to grow their own communities as well. So um she's a great example of that. Yeah. Definitely Jasir is a great example of someone who's worked hard and worked her way up through the dance company, got the lead roles and also uses those tools, you know, outside and and use it in her work.
2: Mm, That's uh, absolutely amazing example and i also know that you have two special programs related to baladance evolution one is uh, mm-hmm. artist development program and another is youth sponsorship program i am pretty sure dancers may hear about this casting opportunity but they may not be aware much about this uh, uh this other program so can you tell us a little bit more about them
0: yeah um yeah, I'm really excited about the Artist Development Program. And I feel like I'm ready to take it to like a whole nother level. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. Um, <laughs> but the artist development program was designed because we had such such a strong response for people who were auditioning to be in the show. So I'm only casting about 16 dancers at the most. So what we decided to offer people is to do This program, the artist development program. So they pay a fee to train side by side with the entire cast. So they have the entire experience. So they learn all the choreographies. They get all of the feedback from uh, myself and the the, and the instructors. They actually at rehearsals, they're rotated into the formations with the performing cast, with the lead cast. Um, They do the eight to nine hours a day of training with us. And so it's, it's a great opportunity for dancers who are not ready, but want to get the training and are hungry for the training. Um, It's also a great track for like, you know, younger dancers who are just not ready yet, but they want to have this intensive training. Also for older dancers who just, we call it the director's track, that they want to have the experience, but they don't they don't want the pressure of performance. They're not interested in the performance, but they want to know more about the project. They want to do the training and they want to know how to produce shows and, and, and direct a, uh, a theatrical show. So we call that di- the director's track where they sort of kind of shadow me during rehearsal, um, during rehearsals and see how I direct and see all of the, all of the prep work that we do, we give them the inside of all of the like we use the Google Doc or we have these um, you know the private Facebook groups and the you know all the all of the sort of technical things that we do behind the scenes, so giving them tools uh, to do that. so we've gotten a great response but we we keep it very limited because we we don't want to dilute the experience for the performing cast. And we also want to make it that be able to give personal attention to each and every um, ADP person who joins who joins the program. So we do limit it to uh, just just a few people. It's kind of like a handful of people and they don't have to um, audition for it. You just sign up and, and pay. And that way it's, it's really open to anybody, anybody who's like really into it. Yeah. So it's, it's been a really uh, inspiring project and it's been fun because the we did an ADP in, in in Germany, and then the next time we did a casting, I had two of the girls who went through the artist development program. Who then I was able to cast. They auditioned again. The, the first time they auditioned, they did not make it, but they did the artist development program, and we saw the progress. We saw the training. They learned the schools, the the skills, sorry, and tools how to sort of raise their game. And the next time they auditioned, they actually got in. That um, doesn't happen for everybody, but I was really excited about that because that's that's the goal is to help people, you know, accomplish their goals, and help people like raise the bar for themselves. So that that's been that was that was a huge highlight for me.
2: That sounds like a great uh, learning opportunity, and it's not only about learning dance skills, but also learning how these theatrical productions work and how the staging works and the choreography process uh, work and in general how to work with um, such quite a big group of people in a very short time and it's intense i would i was (laughs) about to say probably very pressured and stressed (laughs) condition because basically in like what one week uh, when you go come all together you need to put everything together. Even all the dancers may already know the choreographies in advance or right. learn some parts. Yeah. It's still a lot of work to put everything together, make sure everyone is doing on the right timing, I don't know, right direction, the same uh, yeah. timing of uh, doing it uh, together in a group and actually have a deadline of performance. So what are the main, I don't know, challenges or maybe opposite, like fun stuff in terms of Uh, people's relationships in this group because it's so it's fun it's dance but it's still work and it's quite work under pressure of okay i we do have to perform is there any challenges or any tricks how you manage to avoid possible challenges in um, in terms of communication between people and their
0: relationships yeah you know um we keep trying to figure out how to how to improve the experience for them and for us and to to braise and up the show. So one thing we've done is we, we have the dancers learn the choreographies in advance. Then they actually, once they learn the choreography, they send the videos to us and we give critical feedback on it so I know on day one that they know the dance. They've already gotten the first round of feedback. You know, for example, they're doing a, a piece in the show called Resolution. So on resolution, all the cast members do it, and they also they film themselves in their living room, in their studio, wherever it is. Um, they film themselves doing the choreography. So I I have sort of this like guarantee that the, I know they show up on day one that they know the choreography, um, because that has not always been the case. You know, you get half the people who know it, and half the people said, "Oh, I didn't realize I had to know it. I thought we were going to learn it." And I, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shock. That was. You know, big learning lesson. Yeah. So back to the drawing board. How can we avoid that in the future? So, um, yeah. So we have tools like that that we use. And... Um, we do, you know, we're, we're we're starting developing different exercises where we do um, we move around together, sort of outside the choreography. We we have like bonding exercises. We like in the beginning of rehearsal, we we sit in a circle and we we have these like sharing topics. We all communicate, we all participate, and we get to know each other on a deep and personal level, and that. I think that has transformed the whole company, it has transformed the experience and it has transformed how they react to each other. So we have that, that, that personal bond uh, emotionally first, then we do the work, then we do the physical work and it has transformed, I think that, um, like you said, like the relationships between the dancers because now, now they're invested, they're invested personally and physically. And that's that's like just a whole nother level of um, of artistry, um, I have to say. So it's it's been fun adding adding these different elements to the training and to the program.
2: And how big is your team in general? And I'm talking not only about dancers, but there is a in every production like like this theatrical production there is a big part of team that uh, stays behind. Uh, the stage, in the wings, <laughs> that people and audience don't don't see them, but uh, uh, they still work on, on uh, I don't know, lighting, sound, uh, probably for you as well, sets, or I don't know if you're using a lot of projection, that's another thing, so how, like, I mean, not exact maybe number, but at least approximate, to give an idea,
0: how many people? Oh, yeah, there's definitely, you know, I think, honestly, I think the key One of the keys to to my success is I surround myself with people who are more talented than me and more talented me in other fields as well, uh, who are really good at things that I'm not good at and bringing them onto onto the team. So there's definitely at least six that come to my mind right away that are part of uh, production, administration, marketing, graphic design, costume design um, props and, um, packing and inventory of all the costumes, uh, maintenance of, of costumes and props programs, setting up the, the, the Facebook, you know, social media. So is at least, a team of six off the top of my head yeah and it's probably six people the main people
2: who sort of direct <laughs> all those directions but uh, i assume many more involved in the smaller tasks like even on sport like you know theater stuff who yes. actually serve specific production so uh but yeah having six people on the main team it's uh, it's a lot but it's a huge project so it's amazing how you manage
0: only in six people such a huge production yeah i mean it it's definitely like it's a project of passion you know no one's getting rich from it we do it because we love it and we love what we're seeing happening with the effect of it like i said like the like the Justera effect that's what i'm going to call it now the <laughs> effect like somebody who really gains and benefits and grows the growth you know i feel like we're helping the next generation um, grow and, and and evolve so um, it's definitely a a project of passion um, and it, with that said, you mentioned earlier, we have another program called the youth sponsorship and it's something that, uh, you know, I want to, I want to be more involved in, in creating, you know, not just great choreographies and productions, but you know, like a legacy, something that goes on beyond once I'm, once I've gone and passed on, uh, something else in, in the next generation. So what we're doing is, um, we we're, we're starting, we have something going on in South Africa where we're going to pay for an entire year of classes for, uh, youth. So I think the ages are between, um, 12 and 18 or 12 and 17. And what we're, we're trying to find people who are, uh, young and up and coming talent who may have some financial difficulty, uh, paying for classes, but need the support and helping that generation grow. So, um, it's something that's uh, close to my heart. I see, you know, the youth coming up and I see the new generation coming up. Um, and we're also doing that. We're doing that with a, a local dance company, Latin Mirage Dance Company here in Los Angeles as well. So we, we want to be a place that also su- um, supports our communities.
2: Is it uh, sponsoring of dance
0: classes or general education classes? Uh, dance classes. So they they because it's not it's not a scholarship through us. It is a sponsorship. So they sort of like through Latin Mirage uh, Dance Company in Los Angeles, they they fill out an application and you know they write a, a short essay on why they deserve or why they need this um, the the financial support to take classes. So they, we, we sort of like partner, we're partnering up with their school. So their students can apply for that online. And then we're going to go through and then we choose who who we feel is most deserving of it. And then they can, they can take classes and kind of grow because honestly, all the hardship is on the parents. The parents make all the sacrifices for the kids to take classes. You know, they, they're, they're financially invested and not every parent has, has that leisure to, to support that. And, you know, I don't know if you grew up dancing, but, you know, our our parents are the ones who, you know, drove us back and forth to classes and paid for the classes and and made the sacrifices to to maybe sacrifice things for themselves personally so that their kids could take classes and ballet and gymnastics and whatever it is. So, uh, you know, we want to support those those families who want to help the next generation of artists. It's
2: uh, very inspiring to hear that you are not only focusing on a dance production and developing ballet dance and showcasing it and popularizing, but also uh, your production, you kind of try to make it serve the community and give back to community in uh, this way that uh, is connected to your activities, but basically serving other people too. So I think it's very inspiring and it's a good reminder to, to remember to give back and, uh, not even necessarily give back, uh, my financial support or anything like that, but sometimes even get given back, uh, time uh, or, I don't know, efforts or support, or, That's right. You know, like moral support or whatever it can be. It's uh, very valuable. And at the end, it will only benefit
0: everyone. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, the other new project I'm working on right now, I'm partnering up, um, with Amanda Rose. She's an American dancer currently living in Barcelona, Spain. And she is, um, she's right now she's about to write, start writing her thesis on dance therapy. Mm. Um, so we are partnering up with a new program. We don't have the name yet. It's very much in the, um, in the development stages, but we are going to start a program where we're going to do a training program for, for dancers to work in um, populations of girls and women at risk, so we want to provide dancers with tools and skills to go out and do um, do charity work basically. Um, I've done some of that um, and I just found it so tremendously rewarding and giving giving women and uh, specifically you know girls who are at risk, girls who are rescued from the streets and those kind of things giving them the tools to have, uh, power over their bodies, you know, that emotional strength, um, you know, just the power, what it means to move your body and control your body and what the gifts are with that. And to share that and take that beyond, um, beyond just, you know, learning a sighty choreography, you know, so we want to take it out and reach out into the local populations. So, my big goal, my big dream is, you know, that spider web that I've been building, um, Belly Dance Evolution is going to be, uh, 10 years, 10 years anniversary next year. Um, so, you know, that spider web I've been building around the globe, um, I'm hoping to tap into that and then reach in to those, to those local talented dancers who are ready to, to, to take that, um, out into, uh. To charity work, not just, you know, like outside of their schools and um, without without financial benefit, but with, you know, sort of that, you know, like you said, the other benefit, like the emotional and spiritual and and mental benefit of, of giving and passing on. And I think, you know, all of us here, you and I and everyone listening, we know all the the wonderful gifts and benefits that we've got through belly dance not just physically but socially mentally physically spiritually all of those gifts um, and it's it's time that we can can share those you know to people who don't have access to classes people don't have money for classes and people who have no idea about it uh, to reach out into those to those you know, populations and and start spreading um, you know spreading these uh, spreading these gifts so that's 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 going to be coming up in the the new project category. It's its in the works. Oh my God, I'm
2: almost speechless now. I <laughs> can't wait uh, to see. And I'm very excited to hear uh, that uh, this project is uh, based on a community feel. Mm-hmm. And I really loved your uh, comparison. Like you are building the spider webs around the world with your uh, dance production. It's always so inspiring and fascinating to uh, see then people put so much more meaning in their work than we uh, sometimes get to see because on the first glance it may seem okay this is just dance production baladance of, evolution right. but once you dig into it it's so much more and uh, I recently um, sort of combined a couple terms uh, from different sources that I heard and I love uh, referring to Baladance community as a balladance tribe <laughs> Yeah, so it's like a building, this and putting together and connecting this belly dance tribe uh, all around the world. Because we are sort of a tribe. It's like we are for many people. We are like aliens. Like what belly yeah. dancers?
0: Why would you do belly dance, especially if you're
2: not in the middle? But Eastern you country.
0: can you can go to any part of the globe and you will find a belly dancer. And nobody, like the public or the mainstream, they they don't realize that. And They're always surprised by it. Exactly. They're always like, uh-huh. what? Yeah. I mean, you could go to a tiny little village in Germany or, you know, in China and you will find a belly dancer. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And especially now with the internet, like you guys talked about that with Sadie is like the internet. Now, so many people have access to instructions, you know, instructional videos or to learn online and things like that. So even if they don't have classes or schools, they have access to the information. So it's, 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 it's growing and growing. And our tribe is getting bigger and stronger.
2: Mm, yeah. We are like little secret spiders all around the world. Yeah, <laughs> ah, it's awesome. I still have so many, so many questions about all about like your work and project, but I feel that uh, we'll need to come back and invite you again on podcast, uh, especially once you launch and put and pull your uh, artist development program and this new project that you, are, you were talking about uh, uh, to see how that goes, because I think it will be a new page in the uh, 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 field and uh, belly dance development in general. Like, opening so many opportunities and resources for dancers so i definitely would love to invite you again in the future but uh, now before i ask you our final signature question of podcast uh, can you please tell people where can they uh, easily find you and follow your dance activities what's the best uh, source and uh, what are the nearest upcoming trips for Balladins Evolution. And so maybe people will go on your website and see if they can uh, submit a casting (laughs) application for for those tours.
0: Yeah. um, Well, I'm online. I'm on social media in um, uh, Jelena, Jelena Carlano on Facebook and Instagram. I'm not doing Snapchat yet. (laughs) I haven't graduated So maybe one day, but at the moment uh, on Facebook and Instagram, Jelena, Jelena Carlano, and of course, Belly Dance Evolution, bellydanceevolution.com. They can sign up. We have, we've, uh, we're going to go into rehearsals next week. We have a big show at, as part of the Fringe Festival in Hollywood, California. So um, then our next production we will be casting for, is in October for Mexico City. So the casting opens up. Uh, The Casting is open, actually, already. So casting is open. Uh, We we don't leave it open very long, so just Mm -hmm. a couple of months. And then we're going to be opening up the casting for Australia. We're going to be in uh, Sydney, Australia in March 2019. So that's coming up. And uh, we're booking a lot of stuff coming soon. Um, The Artist Development Program will be happening in both Mexico City and Australia. So they can sign up for that, and of course we're we're, we're looking for the young hot talent to uh, be a part of our youth sponsorship. So one year paid classes. So get in there, get your applications in. If you know some talented kids in South Africa or um, who are going to Latin Mirage School, we'd love to we'd love to support you guys. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're here, uh, reach out to me anytime I do reply to most of my messages. Sometimes I'm, I'm flying in around the globe and in an airport. So it takes a while to get back, but, uh, I definitely do read all my messages and, and we'll get back to you personally. So reach out. I can confront
2: this. I was so surprised when you replied, like almost right away for me, <laughs> I was pro- probably in a good time and, and you were just so easy yeah. to approach and it's like, I was like, Oh uh, let me try my luck maybe Jelina possibly uh, hopefully will be interested in the interview and then you just like yeah sure let's do it so yeah it's, uh, I, I it's amazing and how... I'm glad
0: that you like you followed through too because you were like what's the date so that for me was like key because I had I had to look at the calendar and I was like, I don't want to be driving. I don't want to be in an airport. I don't want to be overseas because anything can happen, you know, Internet, whatever. Um, so thank you for, like, being, like, you know, following through with the date and the time and, and following through with this. So um, so normally um, the, the facilitator asks the questions. But I have a question for you, and I'm taking this from one of my favorite um, – podcast it's called Radically Loved by uh Rosie Costa she's a yoga instructor and she leads meditation and um she's she's one of my favorites but she asked this question and I really liked it so i'm going to ask you Iana if you're open to it oh okay <laughs> what what advice would you give your 16 year old self what advice would you give your 16 year old self
2: wow it's a tricky one <laughs> it's 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 a tough one yeah. right but profound I would say try to be yourself and try to be present and not living in the future. Because I found, I mean, I will be talking about my experience, but I think a lot of people can relate to this, that we often live. oh, once I get this, I'll be able to do this. Or once I achieve this, I'll be happy. Or once, I don't know, grow up. (laughs) Or once I do this, once I do that. And uh, we sometimes, like at least in my uh, experience, I kind of felt that I always wanted to pretend that I'm something or someone who not really reflected who I was at that times. And just was reflecting my idea of who I want to be, but not because I actually want it, because I thought I want (laughs) it. It's a
0: bit complicated. (laughs) Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, being in the moment. That's so true because when we're young, we do, you know, once I get, once I get, like the once I get syndrome. Once I get this, then I'm going to feel that. Once I get this, then I'm going to feel that. But being in the moment and being present to what we actually have. That's, yeah, that's a powerful answer. I
2: just feel like like, uh, the earlier you catch it, the better, because if you're in that mode of living, it will drag throughout life. And this is the stuff I'm still, like, I don't know, (laughs) many years ago, I still catch myself, like, um, I wish already at that age... I mean, I didn't really think about this in particular, like, what, 16 years old me uh, would have done, like, differently. But now you said it, I'm like... Oh yeah, that's actually the thing that I'm even working now. <laughs>
0: <Is> that- <laughs> it's a it's a work uh-huh. in progress. It's definitely a work in progress. Being present, being in the moment, is something uh, I think I think we all could improve on, and um, it's definitely a, a powerful a, a powerful tool.
2: Well, thanks for asking. Yeah. You caught me by a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I
0: wanted to surprise you because you give me some surprise questions. So.
2: Thank you. You give ideas to our future guests uh, for the to prepare questions for me. Sure. Well, we have one more surprise, but now for our listeners, okay. because you just mentioned before we start inter- uh, recording this interview that you are offering some amazing uh, giveaway for all of our listeners. So can you please tell us what's included there?
0: Yes. Uh, so we're going to do a Belly Dance Evolution package. And including in the package, you get a t-shirt, DVD, music, soundtrack, and a flash drive with our music and our show from Alice in Wonderland. So you get the, a little package of um, our merchandise line. So uh, we're excited to have you participate. And Yana will tell you a little bit more how to, how to win our giveaway
2: yeah like so excited so many goodies there (laughs) so guys here is the way how you can participate it's very easy you just basically need to either do a screenshot of you listening this interview or you can do a selfie if you're listening on your computer and it's not that easy to do a screenshot (laughs) but basically you just need to do a post either on instagram and facebook don't forget to tag me, Angelina, in your post and put hashtag. Uh, right now I'm using hashtag Yana Dance Podcast <laughs> to make sure it's a separate Hashtag nobody is using it uh, elsewhere. So do these three things ha- uh, tag me, Jelena, and hashtag Yanadance Podcast so we can easily find you. And you can just share your thoughts about this interview, maybe some new discoveries that you didn't know about dance Evolution or some takeaways that Jelena inspired you by her amazing uh, thoughts and uh, sharing her goals and experience with her dance career. Maybe it inspired uh, you for something so i'm really leaving it up to you but basically the idea is that you will do a post about this interview and whatever it either inspired you or whatever discovery or takeaway you got uh after listening to our amazing jelena and this will be open for one week but i highly encourage you don't postpone because usually if you Put it, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. You will probably will forget to do it tomorrow. (laughs) So do it right now in the moment while you are listening to it. uh, So you don't forget. And uh, uh, the winner will be announced uh, both on social media by um, me and Jelena. We'll just choose basically randomly among all your posts. So everyone has equal chances to win. And the winner will be announced on the next podcast episode, which will be coming out on June 26, as well as on social media, Instagram and uh, Facebook. I'll, I'll definitely repost so on all the platforms so you can see uh, who is the winner. But again, this is open for one week. So I'm just opening for one week in case you're not listening right away on Tuesday, if you're listening on Wednesday or Thursday. But again, don't postpone sharing your thoughts and the inspiration and ideas about the interview uh, the winner will be chosen and uh, announced on June 26 and uh, I ha- I would love to uh, send a huge thank you to Jelena for offering a such a uh, giveaway it's um amazing uh, way to inspire people to to dance and give some uh, nice uh, something uh, that would remind them about this interview and about the ballet dance uh, evolution and all the great work that you do and hopefully inspire them to to develop uh, their dance uh, path or even not necessarily in dance but just go towards your goals and uh, create uh, uh, bigger community around you either in dance field or any other areas of your life so thank you so much for offering it <laughs>
0: my pleasure yeah it's it's great to to be a part of this so thank you
2: yeah my pleasure. and uh, by the yeah. way i think i forgot to mention but all links to our website, uh website and jelena's facebook and instagram page will be in the show notes so guys you can also go easily to the show notes and click on links so it's uh uh, very easy for you to connect and follow Jelena's activities. <laughs> so they will be all cool. there. Thank
0: you. And, awesome. Uh, Thank you.
2: And just to finish our podcast, I always finish on one signature question that I close every interview with. And the question is, what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again? So you keep
0: doing it for so many years. Um, For me, it's like an onion. Every time I pull off a a layer, I find another layer and then another layer. And it just it keeps it's it never gets old in that way. There's always something to learn. There's always a place to grow and explore. So for me, just the, the deep layers and the richness of this of this art form keeps me inspired,
1: guys. Thank you so much for spending this time with us and if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast as well as you can connect with me on social media by Jana dance or Jana Komarnitska. i'm very active on instagram as well as facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life and by the way don't forget to subscribe to podcast so you never miss a future episode and until next time keep shiming